Passion drives you as an entrepreneur, and our team of KPMG Private Enterprise Advisors fuel your passion with topics to evolve your business, embrace technology, plan for an exit, or manage wealth transition to the next generation. This is KPMG's Privately Speaking Podcast, and this episode is about high-growth companies in the remote workforce. Okay, so thank you everybody for tuning in. This is our first episode of Privately Speaking Podcast, and uh, I'm going to steal something from one of my colleagues here, and that's the the name because we couldn't come up with anything better. We're not, we're not a creative <laughs> firm. So uh, our first episode today is going to be talking about remote workforce, um, and I have Stephen Brown here today, which I'm really excited um, to have Stephen with us. He's, he's got a lot of great insight, um, spends a lot of time uh, talking with a lot of our clients and uh, boards, and I think he's got a lot of great things to share. Um, so uh, in terms of our high growth companies, so companies that are growing fast, uh, whether it be um, their products or their technology, um, my view from what I've seen is, is a lot of these companies initially in March when we all had to go remote did pretty well. Um, they've got agile teams. Uh, they are really used to pivoting. They're used to failing fast and moving forward. So um, I think we, I think what we saw was everybody started out strong. And then I think as, as 2020 kind of went on, it, things have changed a little bit. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. So Stephen, uh, first question, let's talk about the approach of high growth companies to 2020, kind of with that backdrop of March through today. Absolutely. Very good to be with you, Erica, and our audience. Uh, indeed, 2020 has been, um, has been one of those years, which I think in history, uh, when you say 2020 uh, in the future, people will know exactly what you mean. Uh, right. There's so much, so much that has happened, and um, I, I think um, there there are companies you know, that have. By the way, history will also show that there are companies that did well and sort of thrived in this environment, yep. and there are companies who did poorly. Uh, and right. that's going to be the, that. That will be the subject of uh, many Harvard Business School cases in the future. And of course, you want to be uh, part of those case studies that you did, you you did very well instead of poorly, or at least it, it sort of stayed with the ranks you know, with your with your peers uh, as average. Um, uh, high growth companies that we've seen uh, have, uh, have 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 been faring okay, you know, when compared to the other types of companies. Part of it, as you said, Erica, was that they had an environment which they were used to being mobile and remote. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so this was a flip of a switch. Um, no one had that everyone will be remote, right? That every right. single person in the company would be remote, uh, which, which is sort of the, the difference here. Uh, and by the way, the network effect that your suppliers, uh, your customers would also be remote and would be restricted, um, would be restricted, uh, in what they could do with you. Um, around the world and around the country, um, so it is. It, it's been. It, it was a. It was a real hurdle that folks had to get used to in the very beginning. Um, and now that we're nine months in, thinking about it, um, there's a great deal of taking a deep breath and saying we may be in it for a lot longer uh, right. because there really wasn't a prognosis of how long it would last, or at least the prognosis was uh, it wouldn't last that long. 
And now people are taking a deep sigh saying uh, that we think we see the end of the tunnel, uh, but the tunnel is, is rather long. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, and in terms of, um, you know, the experience in March comparing to nine months later, um, you know, like we talked about, I think there were a lot of efficiencies talked about in the beginning, right? You no longer have the long commutes for your employees. Um, you know, they're, they, they're sitting at their desk all day, right? There, there's definitely some efficiencies to be gained from that. There's benefits to, you know, working from home and being able to spend a little bit more time with family. Um, obviously, there's a caveat to that, right? If there's if there's a lot of remote learning, that's a challenge, right? But but what Indeed. have what have you seen? What have you seen in terms of just that change, right? Over that over that time period. Well, certainly, uh, uh, the move to remote uh, was done well by folks who were used to being remote and used to being mobile and used to used to um, communicating. Uh, 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 remotely uh, and uh, through mobile systems. Uh, that said, again, one of the upsides is that everyone, it was an accelerator. So everyone had to become used to it. So you have an acceleration effect that some of the systems, which perhaps if you were a hybrid organization where you had folks remote uh, and folks in-house, everyone got onto the same platform. Uh, right. and, and, that, and that's good. You know, that's good. And uh, it, by the way, I include myself in that. There are many platforms that, that, that we've used as a company that I may not have taken a part of. Uh, I certainly do now. Uh, and I'm about as expert as anyone else, uh, right. which is not saying right. all that much, but uh, <laughs> we all had to become experts. The, the other thing, quite frankly, is that um, there are plenty of downsides, um, yeah. particularly for folks who weren't set up to be remote and had to make makeshift offices, had to ma- do a makeshift office for yourself and for your spouse and for your kids who may be learning virtually um, alongside with you either around the corner or perhaps in the same room. Um, So, uh, uh, and and we're we're getting to now this, uh, I think I'm comfortable using the phrase since it's not not my phrase and it's become universally accepted, COVID fatigue, um, which is a big issue, um, which usually people are using in terms of talking about the uh, medical and physical aspects uh, and the dangers of, of, of failing to socially distance or do the things that you need to do, but also from a work standpoint that uh, people are realizing that it may be uh, much longer than they thought about mm-hmm. returning to normalcy. Um, right. So, so there's, um, you know, I'm someone who's always been uh, on the road and traveling and uh, w- was, was, was used to being remote uh, but not the rest of my family, right? I was used to being remote with, with not having you know, four other people uh, doing the same thing that I'm doing. Uh, so uh, you've had to become accustomed to that. Right. According to global work, workplace analytics, 75% of the workforce say they want to continue to work from home at least weekly when the pandemic is over. And 25 to 30% will be working from home multiple days a week by the end of 2021. So when this survey was taken, you know, you would assume that the pandemic is, is substantially over and, and hopefully we're back to some sense of normalcy. So maybe, maybe Stephen, you can talk a little bit about, you know, what are companies facing in terms of permanent changes to the way that we, that we work? Sure. And uh, indeed, uh, when, when there is some type of normalcy, uh, when companies make that call, uh, that were reopening or, or, or at full capacity to come back, 
you'll have there's a decent amount of people who'll say, well, wait a minute. I've been quite productive, probably mm-hmm. more productive than I have in the past sitting at home. Uh, why must I come back? Uh, and, and by the way, and you'll have others who can't wait to get back, can't, right. can't wait to get back into their, their location, uh, leaving their home location. It, that has to be thought through. What the pandemic did was force a transformation, um, force it. You know, it wasn't planned. And that was a right. forced work from home. Uh, what I, and I, most of my time I spend talking to C-suites and boards around a, a bunch of bespoke corporate governance issues, and, and, and this is one of them. You know, your job as a board and a leader now is to try to put sense to this right. transformation that happened on your watch, which wasn't scheduled. And that transformation right. is the work from home phenomena in which there are several people. Or several work from anywhere. Work, yeah. work, work from home, work for anywhere. And I'm glad you corrected me there uh, because it is work from anywhere. Um, I have a, a very close friend who, uh, when we say work from home, he'll tell you that's working from his car because home is too noisy, <laughs> six oh, kids. Right, right, um, right. And exactly. So he, so he spends his time inside of his car. Thank God that he has a very nice car. Um, uh, but uh, it wasn't meant as an office, uh, but, but it has been for the last nine months. Uh, so the, 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 the goal of, of leaders now is to put some order to this transformation that happened back in March and April um, and rethink their policies around it uh, if they had a policy. And that's sort of the rub here is that mm-hmm. there are companies that have had work from anywhere or remote policies, but now they got to really look at them to see if they actually work the way uh, you know, it has, it, it, the, the reality has been over the last nine months. And, and that's what many companies are focusing in now. Um, and when we think about higher growth companies, um, you know, this is a space which perhaps, um, you know, they're busy you know, growing and making their marks and making their high water marks for their investors that perhaps it was on their list. Uh, but but not at the very top of their list, the what we HCM, what we call human capital management, which has risen to the straight top of the list. Right. Having to think through these issues during a time where there's deep uncertainty um, and a premium put on uh, those companies that can be agile and sort of think yes. through it. Right. You know, absolutely. And this brings us to what I view as is the most important part of our discussion um, is is just how how are we doing now? Right. So we've been at this for for several months. And I think, you know, initially we, we saw a lot of efficiencies. I think some of that is is maintaining. But just a couple more stats. Eighty percent of workers would consider quitting a job um, for a job that's that is with an organization that is more focused on mental health. Um, and 75% of U.S. workers have struggled um, with anxiety due to COVID and, and just world events. And so I think the importance of mental health and, and like you said, Stephen, human capital management, I mean, there continues to be you know, a lot of competition for, for, um, you know, talent, right. And, and now, now there's no longer geographical lines as, as it relates to talent. So this, like you said, has to shoot to the top of executives and, and boards lists, um, to make sure that they are 
um, responding to mental health and, and burnout and, th- and things like that. So, so tell me, you know, how, how do companies do that? If, the, if that hasn't been something they've been keenly focused on, how, how do they do that? Indeed. And this is, uh, uh, I just start off by saying 2020 is that year where there was a lot of forced transformation. Um, and there's plenty good and plenty bad. Uh, but but first, we, we have to define, I, I think, um, what 2020 is. And as we will all recognize uh, now and we recognize in the future, that everyone is, was experiencing the same storm in 2020, but in different boats. And that right. empathy needs to be understood, that, that your employees and your customers are in different boats. Some may look as like yours and some may not. And that's been... Uh, a, a big difference. And 2020 has really exposed a lot of these um, uh, inequities that we have, yes. even though we may work for the same, same, same company, even though we may not have known about the inequities because uh, you know, workspaces and corporations are uh, inorganic uh, institutions. Uh, and they, they tend to hide things um, you know, that have become exposed here. And so it's deeply important that we understand uh, that it's the same storm, uh, different boats. And by the way, when we talk about that storm, sometimes we got to put it in the plural um, uh, and not think about it as siloed. Obviously, we're all dealing with the pandemic. Uh, and here in the United States, we're certainly uh, dealing with the uh, racial reckoning and racial injustice uh, and, and the outflows of emotions um, uh, and policies, quite frankly, that are from that 2020 also stands for um, the uh, culmination of events around uh, the political process uh, with a presidential election. So all of that is being dealt with in 2020. Um, and all of our customers and employees are dealing with the same things, but but uh, perhaps in different boats. And there needs to be some empathy, empathy around it. And, and that's where I think we get to the, the point of uh, mental health, um, which you know, as a society, we've been talking more openly about it. Uh, which is good, uh, but I think it has been it has been raised to the top of the list as we think about human capital management and that people are dealing with it differently. Uh, that's the first point uh, to be em- empathetic that people deal with it differently, um, and uh, as managers, uh, these uh, uh, and I often say that you know you, you know, it's hard to have the, uh, a a playbook that doesn't have. Um, um, uh, eraser marks uh, and whiteout on it uh, because this playbook that you have to manage is quite different. Uh, none of us were around in 1918 managing at the time, uh, you know, during the, during the uh, flu pandemic, right. uh, thankfully, but, but the world is very, very different, right? And that brings some advantages uh, to us and some disadvantage. Um, and there's some things when we're looking at playbooks of how to act that uh, we have to be agile. Um, and uh, now speaking to organizational psychologists and organizational behaviorists, um, one of the things that I'm prompted to think of is of this situation. And that situation I talk of is not only the pandemic, racial reckoning, uh, political uh, differences. It's to think mm-hmm. about it as organizational trauma. Yes. Um, yep. And there are companies that have gone through, sadly, organizational trauma, whether it was a workplace shooting or a workplace accident. Um, or indeed, uh, 2001, 9/11, and 
and you know, created a playbook to what to do after that. And, and that's if I w- were looking for a playbook, I take that playbook off the shelf in terms of crisis management. And, and then I would use that to mark up about what to do during these times. Uh, and one of the things that pops up there is to pay deep attention to mental health um, of, of your employees. And uh, part of doing that process of paying attention to mental health, uh, it takes several fold. First of all, um, and I'll use the quote from a, a great American poet, Maya Angelou, who said, you know, people often forget what you said or what you did, but they will never forget but how you made them feel. Yes. And the analogy here is that certainly people will remember how you made them feel and how you treated them in 2020, your customers and your employees. More uh, so than probably keep- any other year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So to keep that in mind, and, uh, and I'll go through a couple examples without giving the names of the companies uh, in, in a moment about actions that happened during this time, which you know, two companies, they took the same action, but they executed differently. Uh, but going back to that playbook around mental health um, is thinking through uh, not only physical safety, right? when do we return, how do we return, uh, but psychological safety. Um, do people feel comfortable uh, talking about certain issues? Um, being able to get the feedback of when they're comfortable returning to work, getting that feedback of even when they return to work, um, there were some inequities uh, uh, uncovered during this time around uh, maybe pay equity or racial injustice or racial reckoning. You know, do people feel comfortable? And we know from data you know, pre-COVID that uh, one things that make teams uh, particularly work well is that if they have the psychological safety to fail and to speak up and not be harmed by that failing or speaking up, uh, which is which is critically important. Uh, right. I'll turn to those examples in a second because uh, I know you wanted to say, wanted to get a word in edgewise and I'm going to allow that. <laughs> no, I'll maybe just, uh, I, I like, I really think stats are, are powerful, right? And I think uh, there was a recent Gallup poll that talked about uh, employees returning to work. And it appears that, you know, to your point, Stephen, only 25% are emotionally ready to return to work. And, you know, we're recording this today here in, in late November, and, and this could clearly change at any given time. But it, I think it's safe to say that, if anything, perhaps that number is even a little bit high right now, right? Um, you know, the other thing is four out of five workers find it hard to shut down, right? And over half have taken a mental health day, which, by the way, is outstanding, right? I think right. that's one of the paths to to um, being more, you know, focusing on self-care and making sure that we are taking care of our employees, that we're taking care of ourselves, frankly, um, as we all as we all battle through this. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, uh, the key there is that uh, there's a premium put on good management style during yes. these times. Uh, and we're seeing it. And, and, and your employees are seeing it. You know, and they're being able to judge what's good and bad. Um, part, of, part of this is, as a company, understanding whatever policies, formal, informal, you put in place around taking those breaks, putting parameters uh, into the day where you know, there may be uh, no meetings week. No meetings day, no, no meetings on a Friday. What an outstanding, that's an outstanding idea. No meetings right. week, yep. Uh, and putting some time limits on uh, how long uh, 
people can work. Those are all good concepts, but in order to make it work, the managers and the leaders must emulate that. Uh, yes. uh, we, again, we know from history, looking back uh, pre-COVID, of companies that put in great policies around unlimited work, unlimited uh, tr- uh, uh, sick days or unlimited uh, vacation days or very generous paternity and maternity uh, policies for the company compared to their peers. They were, they were um, industry leading, but the leaders didn't, t- didn't take up on taking those vacation days or taking those maternity or paternity leaves. Therefore, your employees don't do it because they right. can read the unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it is very important that, uh, you know, that premium on good management be followed by managers who actually take advantage and emulate and model those good behaviors because then your employees will. And if, you, and if you don't, your employees will follow your lead and not do it. Right. Exactly. And, you know, shameless plug here for, for KPMG, but I want to give the firm a shout out because they're outstanding. Um, what is it? Purpose Blue. Purpose Blue did several mindfulness sessions uh, for KPMGers. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to attend all of them, but I attended several. And I will tell you, it made a big difference. It made a big difference in how I was uh, dealing with, you know, you're still going to have a lot of challenges, right? Whether it's for working from home or just challenges of the job. And I'll tell you, it, it, it's a it's a big deal. And I shared with my teams that I did that because I really wanted them to um, take advantage of some of the benefits that the firm has has offered as a result of, of uh, everything that's going on in the world. Indeed, indeed. And, and it's deeply helpful when you see other leaders in those same programs that right. uh, they're not even they're not simply saying we're providing this to you but uh no i i'm not only a user but i'm president of of, of the product uh, uh to to sort of take a riff off of that commercial that that they're in it too uh, so they're modeling the right behavior and one of the things companies need to be careful of is that uh, you know while we're in this remote environment and there are some people who see it well look you're not commuting we're saving your commute uh, you're getting more time back is and say, you know, that's a benefit there too, is to recognize that there are all there there are negatives to that too. Um, yes. and part of providing these mental health spaces and the psychological safety is recognizing that there are plenty of people who are working hard, being productive, of, but they can feel like it's groundhog day, that they yes. don't realize that it's the weekend. Um right. because their normal path of working five days and taking Saturday and Sunday off uh, just doesn't come about because it's, they're breaking their pattern. Um, and, and I will say part of that is really communicating and understanding with your employees. And uh, we use this very large catchphrase of human capital management, HCM, human capital management. And part of that, uh, it's become so important that uh, that you do it often, like getting that feedback loop. And many companies have that in their annual employee engagement surveys, their review process, but they tend to be annual or semi-annual. And you can't rely on that. You got to measure and get feedback constantly, if not monthly, because that's how these tra- this trauma we call the 2020 is moving, that you got to get that monthly feedback or some period that, that is more frequent than annual or semi-annual to understand what's going on with your employees. And then you can communicate back with data 
we've talked to our employees and 80% have said X or 25% have said Y. Now, that is helpful in that transparency and communicating where you're going to move from, where you're going to move on to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so maybe coming to our last question here, and we've, we've touched on this, right? Um, the role of board and advisors in, in, you know, how they, how they help companies navigate through this. And, you know, to your point, Stephen, checking in with employees very regularly. I mean, our world is changing rapidly, right? We've seen that throughout the, really since March, right? And so mm-hmm. how can boards and advisors, and, you know, depending on the size of the company, you know, they, they absolutely have folks that are helping them from a higher level think, think through this. How can they be most impactful during this time? Absolutely. And hopefully you have uh, people selected on your board or as advisors who have deep experience in a lot of different things including um, human capital management, including perhaps uh, they've had to go through very tough times and make make decisions like layoffs during tough times, and the ability to rely on that advice. What what we've seen is there are companies who do that well. They all have the same issue. They they are forced to make layoffs, Um, but uh, they do it differently. Uh, And again, People will remember how you've treated them during this time. Your employees and your customers will remember that. And uh, there's evidence of of folks who do it poorly and folks who do that well. And your ability to talk to advisors who have gone through these things and to give you advice is deeply helpful. The other thing is that you want to be transparent with with your board and advisors. Many of them, of course, when we're talking about high-growth companies, may be investors. Yeah, and yep. so they want to know. Um, and, uh, and I think this, I'll use this example of, of companies that had make layoffs and you know, one did it in two minutes um, and uh, it's not well thought of at this point. Uh, another did it with the CEO sending the message and in that messaging. Uh, so this is an example of a CEO you know, doing something that's very tough, but doing it in the best way possible. He messaged correctly, not only to the employees who are affected and their families, but it's a message that also he knew was going to be viewed by their investors, right? Because nothing is uh, done in private, certainly not mass layoffs. Yeah, not um, these days, yep. Absolutely not. And so knowing, you know, being able to message who you are, being able to message uh, whether you're going to remain a going concern. You're making some personnel decisions that that are obviously negative to many people in your unit, but you also want a message that uh, that you're going to keep going and that you have a bright future, but we have to make these decisions from a fiscal standpoint um, and uh, and how you're going to treat employees who may have been negatively affected, whether you're going to provide help uh, or provide uh, opportunities for uh, re- retraining or outsourced help is deeply important. Because again, right. not only are your employees experiencing it, uh, your investors are looking at it too to see what messages you are sending to them. Absolutely. You know, I, I read in a recent Forbes article that was talking about, um, you know, the importance of mental health and and how companies are handling this. And, and it was really, I don't know, to me, I'm, I'm a sports fan, so it stood out to me. NFL teams have 53 players and 21 coaches on staff. So I think you can take that both from the executive as well as the employee level, right? We all need help. 
And it's okay to need help. And it's part of taking care of ourselves and our families to have, to, to lean on those who can help us, right. To have those coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, no, I, re- I really appreciate your, your, your sports analogy. Uh, <laughs> I, I will, ec- I will echo that and, and give you a short story of a neighbor whose uh, uh, relative is, is a coach in the major, major league baseball. Uh, and we were talking about these issues around, around pre COVID um, on how much data and analytics have made their way into sports. Yeah. Right. And, but he said the one thing that data and analytics cannot do is tell you, um, you know, how your pit, how the pitcher is feeling on that yes. particular day and whether yep. he had an, a personal issue. Uh, I could tell you that, uh, which is why they keep me on staff uh, along with my baseball <laughs> right. knowledge. I, I'm, 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 I'm able to take the human part and factor that, in, that into our equation. And, and the same thing here, which is that and we all know this, that you're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with this, this, this trauma that we've defined as everything that's happened in 2020. Um, and, but you still have to remain a going concern. You still have to make money, or at least the prospects of, of, of making money in the future. Uh, but you can't lose that humanity. Um, yes, and, and so you, you only get that by interacting with your employees, even if it's digital, even if it's over, over, uh, zoom or over the telephone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, Stephen, I cannot thank you enough. This has been the highlight of, of my month, I think from a, from a work perspective. So thank you for, for spending the time. And, and I think, you know, from a from a high growth company standpoint, like like we've talked about, I think there's a lot of positives, right, that have come out of this. But I think I think we have to learn from the journey, right? And I think the those learnings really do boil down to some extent, like you've said, uh, human capital management and making sure that we're focused on self care. And you know, there's a lot of folks that that are considered, you know, knowledge workers, and I think KPMG falls into that category. But the focus on wellness and you know, helping reduce the anxiety and really helping come together as a community, right? So important. Absolutely. And uh, we're all dealing with uh, what we don't want to deal with, which is uncertainty. Uh, yep. But at the end of the day, uh, that's what business in our world is about, taking risk right. and managing that uncertainty. And uh, this is a case where uh, you want to do that well and focusing on the human capital management part will help that and help you sort of wind up when we think about history. Uh, and we're all wondering what the history books will say about these, these times. Um, exactly. But you just want to wind up on that side of the case study that says that you did, you did this well. You know, not yes. that study that, that, that puts you up that business school students learn forever uh, how you did this wrong. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Stephen. Uh, I um, look forward to our next episode of Privately Speaking. Um, And so thank you again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. Good to be with you. Thank you for listening to KPMG's Privately Speaking podcast. And be sure to subscribe to this series to be notified of new episodes. 